All right, welcome back. We are here on American Liberty. I'm Kevin Warmhold. Thanks for tuning in today. Today is February 12th, and we have the New Hampshire primary primary results. And I want to bring in today, I have a co-host today. It's going to be Jake Gutterwitz. He was a candidate in 2019 here in New York. He ran for county legislator. So I figured why not bring in somebody who actually ran for office in when we're going to discuss the New Hampshire primary tonight. Um, and there was a big victory for the socialist movement, Bernie Sanders, uh, the Bernie bros of Twitter. Um, uh, Jake, thank you for joining us. Welcome to America. No, thank you guys. for having me. This is really great. I've been super excited about this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, 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 the primary was clearly better than the shit show in Iowa. Yeah. The Iowa caucus was a complete disaster for the Democrat Party. And the uh, breaking news today also is the uh, the leader of the Democratic Party in Ohio finally stepped down. I mean, you knew that was coming. It was sure, an embarrassment sure. for the party. I mean, I read something along the lines of they used this company for their new caucus software. And the company was called Shadow Inc. Hmm. And my God. What throws up a red flag more than naming your company Shadow Inc. and saying, oh, yeah, we can handle your elections? Yeah. And maybe maybe the fact that uh, maybe it's just done on purpose. And uh, you know, I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but I think most states around the nation are trying to get rid of uh, the caucus to begin with, you know, in, the, in these primaries. They're trying to go over to a primary. There's only two states left. It was Iowa and Wyoming. This is no better reason to get rid of the uh, caucus when you show just utter failure, it doesn't work. Now they have the Democratic Party can say, listen, this caucus thing does not work. We need to go to a straight primary ballots and get rid of the whole thing completely. What better way than setting the party up for failure kind of on purpose? What are sure. your thoughts? You know, I, I'm a really big supporter of the idea of a caucus. You know, a day where people get together in a room that they don't leave and hash everything out and in the end, vote for the person that they think is going to be the best. You know, in no other election do you ever have that. You you don't have people that that must get together in a room like that to talk about candidates and ideas. And so the idea that that the party is doing away with caucuses and that they want to use this as an excuse to do away with the caucus is disappointing to me. It's kind of it's a traditional thing for the people of Iowa. It's a very small state population-wide. They don't really have a lot of influence in the election after this point. I mean, there's only 20, I think it was 24 delegates or so, period. And we're talking, there's so many delegates in this race. You got Super Tuesday coming up. You got South Carolina. We just had New Hampshire. I want to touch a little bit with New Hampshire. I got the numbers up here. Sure. Bernie, Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg both took away nine delegates in this uh, New Hampshire primary. Bernie barely got through. Then you have Amy Klobuchar, who did very well. She's the moderate candidate that I think uh, Joe Biden needs to get out of the race so she can pick up the support that he has and really make an impact. Otherwise, we're going to be looking at a socialist candidate. Um, Elizabeth Warren failed. Joe Biden, out of disaster. Tom Steyer really spent his money in South Carolina, so you didn't expect him to do much here. And now they're going down to South Carolina for the South Carolina primary, which is next uh, Friday, I believe. So they have a little time to go down there and campaign. But I got to be honest with you. I think Joe Biden's done if he does not do well in South Carolina. 
I think Joe Biden is already done, and I don't really know why he hasn't dropped out of the race yet. Um, really, at this point, he's just embarrassing himself. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing about Democrats in this election cycle, to me, is that this election cycle is basically worthless, right? I mean, Donald Trump is going to be president for another four years. It's a shame, but it's probably the reality. And so what's really funny about the Democrats in this election cycle is that they all know this. They all know this. <clears throat> That's why in this election cycle, unlike in 2016, when the traditional you know, neoliberal Democrats really fought to get Hillary Clinton in the race, they don't care that this socialist wave is happening now because in the end it, it means nothing. They, can, they could nominate me for the presidency and it would basically <laughs> mean as much as nominating Bernie Sanders. You know, I, I, I fear that Bernie's picking up you know, this like the fact that he's won, he basically won Iowa too. I mean, Boot Buttigieg, I think, won technically by a coin toss. Uh, but really, Bernie Sanders had major impact in Iowa, major impact in New Hampshire. I don't know how he's going to fare in the South, but I got to say, if you look at the overall numbers percentage-wise, Bernie Sanders ended up with 25.7% of the vote. Elizabeth Warren, who is the other far-left candidate, I would consider socialist in this uh race got 9.2 so you had those two together you had like 34 about 35.1 percent is the total 35.1 percent versus the rest of the party it, it's okay maybe it isn't so bad maybe we're not looking at the democratic party is a socialist party i'm hoping right. it's not i don't care if like if they were to put a formidable candidate against donald trump i would be open to listening and voting for sure. that candidate sure. I'm not against the Democratic Party in general. Right. I'm against where the Democratic Party is going with the AOC, far left, you know, basically saying that America is horrible. We're all a bunch of racists. We can't stand each other. The government, uh, you know, is out to ruin your lives. I mean, it's it's not that bad. Since Donald Trump won the election, nothing really has changed in your life and my life personally. Our lives really haven't been affected by much because what really counts is local government, a race that you ran for. To make change locally because we know in nassau county the taxes are through the roof and you tried to make a little bit of impact and unfortunately people are still too afraid to choose a third party candidate like yourself but and and i have no faith in the libertarian party on the national level putting a strong candidate to even make a dent in this election it's, i think you're right donald trump pretty much is going to steamroll past especially with the failed impeachment hearings which i discussed on my last episode of the american liberty podcast um each candidate you know, Joe Biden drops out of the race. Amy Klobuchar, I think, is the moderate candidate that makes an impact. Um, and I hope that does happen. Andrew Yang has dropped out of the race. I like, you know, he seemed like a real cool dude. I want to have a beer with the guy, but sure. the universal basic income, I don't think would work. What are your takes on U UBI? What are my takes on universal basic income? Well, do I believe that? we have a social responsibility to make sure our poorest aren't starving and dying because they're poor? Probably. Do I think that extends so far as to guarantee universal basic income? No. You right. know, in, in, in one word, no. The government is not capable of managing the things that it is already managing. And what these Democrats seem to want to do is expand the government to manage even more things like our crisis with poverty, right? And that's the idea of the universal basic income is bringing people out of poverty. And I don't have faith that the government could make it work. 
Mm-hmm. And that's really the big problem. You know, it, it's not it's not should we give people universal basic income? Should we not? I don't have faith in the government to successfully roll it out. And that's the thing. I would rather just keep a thousand dollars a month. Exactly. Why do I have to give you the money for you to funnel it back to where I get a thousand dollars a month? How is that going to benefit me? I'll just keep it grand a month and my life would be 10 times better. I'll be well, able to pay exactly my health care. You know, my, <laughs> my health care bills will get paid. I'll be able to, you know, spend a little extra money, take my family on vacation. Let me keep that money. Why does she, it's going to pass through government, get all those sticky fingers on it, yep. get tainted by these garbage pork programs, and then I get back uh, IOU money that's, you know, basically going to weaken the dollar in general. Uh, and, that's my, and that's exactly my biggest problem with the idea of this universal income. It's Again, it's not whether or not people should have a basic standard of life. It's the fact that the government is not able to physically provide that. They're just not capable. You know, <clears throat> when I was in college, I got a federal work study grant. And most of our viewers should be probably familiar with federal work study. The idea that the government, as part of your financial aid in college, will give you a certain amount of money to work for the university. And then you get that in a paycheck. So I could work, I think I got $2,500 for the year. So I could work and get paid up to $2,500 if I put in all the hours, right? Do you know that they taxed that? <laughs> so it's money. That they taxed the money that they from, gave you to yes. help you get through college and then tax you on it to get some of it back, basically. Exactly. And so it, the, the idea that uni- taking that a step further with something like universal basic income is absurd. You know, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> – I'm a big proponent of this whole – government uh, intervention into the college scam to begin with, because let's, let's be honest, anything that the government guarantees really is, you know, they're guaranteeing the money. So the cost are going to jack up the prices and it all falls back on the student who is now going to have to owe that for the rest of life. And they can't claim bankruptcy if things don't work out and they get degrees that don't pay. You know, we have to like, we have come, the world is changing uh, a degree in, English literature ain't going to get you paid, you know, like it used to, um, you know, computer science, things like that. Trade jobs, that's stuff that's going to get you paid. And sure. they don't really pitch that. They don't pitch these other opportunities. I'm, I'm really curious to see how Tulsi Gabbard does because, I, you know, I like her. I like her non-military intervention, sure. this idea. She's a, 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 a veteran, combat veteran with experience who's been deployed. Who could actually have some say in the game? And when you're in that position where you're declaring war on countries, I, I wouldn't mind having to see her stay in the race a little bit longer. And she's sticking around. So now Andrew Yang's out, Deval Patrick's out, Michael Bennett's out, everybody's. So she's at the bottom. She ended up with 3.3% of the vote in New Hampshire, about 9,655 votes. Very bo- at the bottom, right under Tom Steyer. So I, I don't see her sticking around too much longer if she doesn't do well in South Carolina. But I want to I, I want to switch to the Super Tuesday impact with uh, Bloomberg, because I have, and I've mentioned this, and actually Jake is going to be writing for the American Liberty uh, blog that we're getting uh, put together here, and uh, this is something that we're going to touch on, the Bloomberg impact in this race, whether or not Mike Bloomberg, who was a once a Republican, then a Democrat, then an Independent, I mean he switched around. It depends on where the wind blows, but whether or not he would be the savior of the Democratic Party at some point in this race, where if Bernie Sanders keeps on winning, does the DNC say, hey, Mike, 
win this election and take us to a contested convention because he's pretty he's pretty much planned and and been getting ready for the contested convention because he's just missed the first four states because he came in late he knew it wasn't going to make an impact he took his money and he spent 350 million dollars which is an absurd amount of money but that's that's like pennies for him he's the sixth wealthiest guy in the country what do you think uh bloomberg's impact is going to be in this race uh come super tuesday Honestly, I think his impact's going to be negligible. I mean, the Democrats have proven time and time again that the one thing they do not want is an old wealthy man running for office. And so it, it's it I, I can't wrap my head around why Mike Bloomberg thinks he's different. I mean, th- there is a reason that Democrats in 2008 and 2012 went for Obama. Now, do you think that Bloomberg being wealthy? OK, so let me ask you this. The, the, the party itself has moved so far left where they hate billionaires, they hate the 1%. Bloomberg is that 1%. It's Bernie versus the 1% in this race if it comes down to them two towards the end of this uh, race, which is what I could see. I could see it being Bernie Sanders versus him. I do not have faith in Pete Buttigieg for the fact, the simple fact he ran a state race, and I know he's done well. He's done well in New Hampshire and Iowa where the population is like 97% white. I mean, let's be honest. He has a problem with the minority communities in his own city, South Bend. I've been to South Bend a handful of times. The city of South Bend's really not that great. I mean, as far as the conditions of the roads, the downtown area, it, it, you know, I don't see him really. And when he ran a statewide election, he basically got his teeth kicked in. He did not do very well at all. He got crushed. I think, he, I think his opponent gets 72% of the vote. So. I don't see him making it through this on a national level. I don't think the South is going to vote for him. I don't see him doing well in South Carolina, and I think that's going to be the first thing that's noticed. But I do think that Bloomberg resembles the old Democratic Party. Yes. And And, it's going to be the old versus the new. He resembles this, and I don't want to call it old Democratic Party because the Democratic Party we saw in 2016. It's the Democratic Party that I think we probably saw end in 2016 with right. the death of the Clinton campaign. Okay. Um, you know, since then, because the big neoliberal traditional Democrat Hillary Clinton lost that election, it left the party in complete disarray. The Hillary Clintons and Chuck Schumers of the Democrat Party are no longer relevant to them. And that's why we're having the socialist wave, this far left, these Bernie Sanders, right? How does Mike Bloomberg come into that? Well... <clears throat> Mike Bloomberg is not the Democrat that Democrats on the ground want. I mean, they've made that very clear. They hate the 1%. They hate these old, wealthy white men. And I don't think he's going to be able to make an impact. I mean, you have you, you have this Democrat Party who has spent a lot of time and effort into rallying minority voters and trying to give these people a voice, these people who don't traditionally have a voice in American society. And then they pitch to them a bunch of old white men. Right. I, I don't know who the Democrat marketing department is. I don't know who makes these decisions. But if I can put two and two together, someone else must have. And so these minority voters, which are really becoming a staple of the Democrat voting base, are not going to come out for these old white men, these old traditional Democrats that they don't want them. I think their best bet to really make an impact in a race against Donald Trump is Amy Klobuchar. She leans, her policies are moderate. She's from the Midwest. 
she has a lot of that um, she, uh, she's a lot of people don't like her personality and I could see she, I heard she's a real tough person to work for whatever the case may be but I think she's a strong independent woman yeah. she is part of like almost like uh, Hillary point two like, without the scandal so right. Uh, she's she's basically what they the Democrats wanted Hillary to be in 2016, and I think that they are losing 100% if they do not get behind her and help her win this part of the primary and face Donald Trump. Um, I know they're not the DNC is technically not supposed to pick the winners or losers, but uh, as far as the support, we all know what happens behind closed doors. Amy Klobuchar really is, in my mind, their best bet because I think Donald Trump one on one with Bloomberg. In the debate stage, uh, he crushes him. You know, I mean, he's already gave him a nickname. He's already started the, the game. I think Amy Klobuchar is your best bet to rid Donald Trump. But I want to switch over to an article that I read not too long ago, and I just I just tweeted it out on Twitter. You can follow me at, at Kev Warmhold on Twitter. That's K-E-V-W-A-R-M-H-O-L-D on Twitter. And uh, check out this article that we're about to get into. It's a Washington Post article. And it has to do with the CIA, the deep state, secretly bought a company that sold encryption devices across the world to our allies and our enemies. So think about that. This all started after World War II. And we've been selling these encryption devices to our allies and enemies, not knowing that they're CIA. You know, somebody thinks this is an independent company in Switzerland and that they're buying these devices to help, you know, their government, but yet we are there on the other end. Hello. Yep. And just writing down, taking notes. I mean, and, and our allies, where do you think this affects the United States and its allies on, on the world scale? I mean, now they know that we've been pretty much screwing them since world war two. Well, I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone that we've been screwing our allies since world war two. Um, <laughs> how will this affect us on a world scale? Like I said, it's not really a surprise. I mean, I, I, I wrote my, my whole my whole um, senior thesis was about CIA operations in uh, Chile, in Latin America, and what the CIA did to prop up governments there and all the horrible things that we were involved in. And so I, if, that informa- if, that, if that's information that I can find, I'm sure the governments of the world are not, are not grabbing their cheeks saying, oh my God, Look at what the United States has been doing. They just kind of expect it from us and do the best they can to combat it, I suppose. You know, I mean, war war is a business in this country, and war is a business for a lot of countries, which is sick in and of itself. The military-industrial complex, it's real. you got to think about this. If you look at our history, every 10 years we're involved in a new conflict that takes us showing off our new weapons, our new technology, our new... Look at it. we got new F-35 fighter planes that are being sold to all of our allies and our armed forces. Um, they want to show, hey, look at our equipment. Look how good it is. See, we'll even develop better equipment for you. It's, you got to keep that contract alive. So it doesn't surprise me that you would want to keep things going um, where there's some sort of conflict or intel that comes in and says, hey, look. I mean, think about this. The CIA leaked the, you know, gave us the intel that the weapons of mass destruction were in Iraq and that we're in Iraq for freaking you know, since 2003, we're there, what is it, uh, do math, 15, 16 years now? I mean, yeah. it's, it's insane. I mean, I'm about to turn 23, and my country has been at war for most of my life. Yeah. 
If you had told someone that in the 1950s, they'd say, oh my God, the world ended. Yeah, yeah. we've been at war since you were a wee baby. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm looking here at this article, and the article says, it's, it says that they made a quit. It's clients included Iran. We were selling Iran or our own encryption equipment. You know, basically uh, surprised that we would hear even the Vatican, India, Pakistan, nuclear rivals. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then Germany. Germany is one of our closest allies since World War II. Uh, I mean, our allies got to be uh, saying, scratching their heads right now. And it's, it, it, they consider it the largest military intelligence coup of the century. I mean, where, where, where the puppet master controlling the world? I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Um, and I think that people need to be woke to this deep state idea and look at other, you want to give the main government, and, and then we're going to wrap up with this. Bernie Sanders wants more government, okay? People are voting for Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren, the same thing. You, this, the government is the CIA, this is what happens. They take your tax dollars and spend it and don't tell you how to spend it. There's no transparency. So you want to give the government more power, the ability to spend more of your money, to control your health care and tell you when you could go to a doctor. I find that to be insane. I mean, they rolled out a new app. It failed in Iowa. The caucus got messed up. I mean, the Obamacare, when it rolled out, there was problems with Obamacare in its rollout. You cannot government does not have all the answers okay people have the answers individuals people who are experts in the in their field uh, you know doctors should be making choices in the healthcare industry you need to remove government so i find this article scary but also you know it needs to be an eye-opener look at what we've been doing behind closed doors and you want to give these people more of your money more of your tax revenue more control over your lives and uh, you know I just don't understand why people are so drawn to it. And I think it has something to do because Bernie appeals to the young base and you being young at a college and you ran right into politics, ran for a race. Okay. So my question to you, and I'll wrap up with this is um, being that you came out of college, probably with student debt, this whole free, we're going to pay your tuition off free college for the rest of the world, you know, for the rest of your lives and America is going to get free college. Why does that appeal to people your generation? Sure, you know, I always said that that young people who are flocking to the socialist movement, you know, you'll, you'll hear the media, you'll hear right-wing media call these people lazy and entitled. And I've always felt like that that's not really the whole truth. In fact, that's not really any of the truth. People that are flocking to socialism are not lazy people. They're desperate people. They're people who see that there is no more American dream. There is no way for them to just work hard and be successful and raise a family. It, it doesn't exist anymore. And the difference I always said between my libertarian campaign and a socialist campaign is that a socialist has no hope of that changing. A socialist sees what's in front of them and says, well, it's hopeless, so let's just do away with the system and maybe this other thing will be better. As a libertarian, I can't, I'm not quite there. I still feel like that if we vote for the right people and we start to limit our government the way our government was meant to be limited, that there is hope to, to change this and build the American dream. 
Okay, I get it. I mean, I think people are drawn to the idea of it. You know, I got stiffed. The government told me everything would be okay, and it's not. So obviously, this system doesn't work. Bernie Sanders sounds appealing. He's smart. He uses uh, young musicians to open up his rallies to get the young people in there. Then he tells them, I know about your problems. I'm going to take care of it. It's all going to go away. But <laughs> the people who have been working, who have been saving up, who have been put paying and taking out loans to put their kids through college get stiffed. And I don't think they're happy. So that's why I think he loses and he does not win. I think Bernie Trump head on Bernie loses, hopefully, because most people realize that the socialist idea will never survive. And Trump will shove that down his throat. I like to see Amy Klobuchar be the nominee on the Democratic side. I love Tulsi Gabbard, I, you know, with the exception of a few things. I won't agree with everybody on everything. Sure. I will never agree with anybody on everything, and that's okay. I don't have to agree with Trump on 100% of his things. I like some of the things he's done. I also don't like some of the things he's done, and I think he's terrible at delivery, but people love it for some reason because it's different. Bernie Sanders is that different candidate on the other side, and that's why he's getting so much support. But yeah, if nothing else, I think it would be a powerful statement for the Democrats a second year in a row to put up a woman after having her face off with all these old white men and throw her into the and give her the Democratic nomination. I think it would make a powerful statement. I think it would show people the I think it would show people that the Democrats are are changing direction and agree with socialist policies, not agree with socialist policies are starting to give other people a voice. Right. I think there needs to be some change. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it after South Carolina. We'll definitely talk about it again. But um, I want to remind everybody who is listening to this, if you're listening to this on the audio, we are also on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel up, and we will be on YouTube. You could view the video that we just had, and uh, sometimes we'll have some, obviously, we'll get some little clips inside. Uh, that you'll enjoy. Also, if you subscribe to the channel, you get access to all the videos. Season one was all interviews. I have my other show, The Exchange, where I now do interviews with people, different backgrounds, such as politics. But this is my political. I wasn't even going to continue this show. And then I've been so enraged by politics lately. I'm like, that's it. I'm doing another season of American Liberty. And we're going to change it up. And we're going to talk politics, get into it, and talk about the real issues that people are missing. Because too much of society reads headlines and they don't read any of the article they get you with the headlines if you actually read these articles they tell you like you know the details and you're like oh okay it isn't that bad so we're going to dive into that the further this show goes on you can subscribe i want you to subscribe if you're listening on the audio platform or subscribe on youtube check us out on facebook american liberty podcast i want to thank jake for coming on he will be on multiple times when i do this show we're going to have different co-hosts come on. Uh, I like having Jake come on because he's very good. He ran a, a, his own campaign, and he knows what it is to – how hard it is to get elected. So believe me, I'm going to be picking Jake's brain quite a bit. So I want to thank Jake coming on. Tell everybody also, Jake, how they can follow you on Twitter and keep up to date with uh, what you're doing. Jake for Liberty on Twitter. Um, you can find me through – at Kev Wormhold, I'm subscribed to him. I'm subscribed to the American Liberty podcast um, on Twitter, so you can find me fairly easily through that. Um, and thank you so much for having me on. No problem, Jake. And uh, we will catch you again on the next episode of American Liberty. Make sure you tune in and subscribe. Give us a rating and make a comment. I like to read your comments, even if it's uh, not so nice. It gives me a good laugh. 
<laughs> All right. So uh, thanks, Jay, for coming on, man. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.